Hello, Jacob. Hey. We are here back for the new year. I'm going to keep saying it until it's true. It's 2017. Still doesn't really feel like it's happening. Um, but it is. So it's January 27th. And uh, we're here on the heels of a... Uh, I did a trip to a convention. And uh, I was in, it was in the vicinity of where Jacob was at. So I went down and visited. Or up. I don't actually know where California is on a map for the most part let alone anywhere inside it. But um, we had one particular day. Jacob, I think you described it as the whitest possible day we could have had. Oh, yeah. You wake up super early. You go play golf, which is the middle-aged white man sport. Sure. Then we went off the strip to the desert, and we raced supercars around a track. That's a young man's game. And then we went and played bingo at night, which is the old people's game. And I guess at this point, it's worth mentioning that we weren't in California for that. We were in Vegas. Uh, the, the, one, the one part of that trip that I assume we're going to talk about the most is the, uh, is the Speed Vegas track, where we, uh, we both went with a package that included five laps around a track in a Cayman GTS, a Porsche, and another five laps in an Audi R8 which was not our first choice, but the Nissan GTR was in for repairs of one kind or another. Um, Jacob, do you want to lead off on why the hell we were doing this since it was mostly your idea? I wanted to do it because I thought I liked driving fast, so I thought we should go try and see what actually racing a car is like. Sure. And I was, I've kind of been on a kick recently where I'm trying to spend money on experiences rather than just buying stuff. So this seemed like a really cool experience, even if you only did it once, just to go to a track that's not... Because you could do this in Daytona, and you get to get in a Lamborghini, and you get to go around a big oval really quick. But the difference... In Vegas, there are a handful of places we just happen to do Speed Vegas because... Location-wise, it was really convenient. Um, the difference is, is that here, you get in a car with someone sitting next to you, and you do a real road track that involves like hairpin turns, chicades, and a pretty long straightaway. So it seemed like a pretty neat uh, experience to go and see what driving an expensive car really fast is like. Under, like you said, some significant professional tutelage. I mean, the coaches, I don't necessarily know that any of them were racing drivers necessarily, but they are all competent to do their job, which is absolutely necessary on a track as complicated as this one. Um, Because if it was an oval, I mean, they would still probably have to put someone in the car, but the whole time they are explaining what's going on to you. Um, which is an absolute necessity, as I think we both found out. Um, it, it, it explains why rally drivers have a dude in the seat next to them. Because um, we both, uh, Jacob, I believe you opted for, the, there was the opportunity to use the, uh, as Top Gear calls them, flappy paddle gearboxes. Um, you could use the little tabs on the side of the steering wheel to do a pseudo-manual gear shift. Uh, I don't believe either of us sprung for that option. <laughs> Uh, I I kind of knew going in that there'd be too much going on to focus on manually shifting the car 
And then as soon as I started driving, I realized that that was a very good decision not to do that. Because like a lot, most people have put their foot down in their car and driven pretty quick or they've red light raced or they've taken a corner too fast and the car goes straight. But when you're going into a corner at 70 miles an hour, there's so much going through your head that I just you don't have time to think about anything else unless that's like you do this all the time. So I decided that. I am just going to focus on turning left and right, accelerating and decelerating. I'm like, I'll give myself three things to focus on. And uh, as it turned out, that turned out to be uh, almost too much. Yeah, agreed. And as someone who has nearly killed themselves on a snowboard and a snowmobile and a bike, and every other form of transportation. I didn't really expect to be great at this anyway, so I was definitely not about to opt for manual. Um, but as far as the, I mean, we, we could get into the minutia of the facility itself. It's brand new. They have a coat of yellow paint across their facade, which is very eye-catching on your way down the highway from uh, California, but uh, I imagine it's going to be a pain in the ass to maintain. Uh, like a lot of the stuff in that building, um, it's it's designed to look very upscale and fancy. And granted, it cost us $400 a head to do this, which we didn't have to spend that much, but we both wanted to get 10 laps instead of five. And uh, we'll get into that in a minute about why you may or may not want to choose that for yourself if you go to a place like this. Um, but it seemed, uh, it, it seemed very well maintained um, as far as places like this go for only being as for only being open a handful of months i can i worry for the long term prospects of a place like that unless it's being managed by someone who's done things like this before because those cars seem like they would get very expensive to maintain yeah i mean a supercar you'd th- you'd think that those cars are built to be like race like a racetrack kind of cars but then you think about the fact that after every race, race cars get completely rebuilt. Yeah. <laughs> Have entire teams of mechanics behind them making sure they work, and then sometimes they don't. No, yeah. That's all that that is all in the back of your mind while you're <laughs> while you're oversteering and understeering these cars. Yeah, and slamming on the brakes so hard that it locks up and you slide and they go, Oh, that was four hundred dollars worth of rubber. Yeah, God, the, <laughs> the braking. The break. Let's just get to the track. So you had already mentioned the track is it's a pretty cool design. Um, it's it's got a, it's got a lot a lot of left and right hand turning. It's got a nice big straightaway. Um, I didn't neither neither of us managed to pull a ridiculously fast top speed in those cars, but I got up to one thirty five in the Cayman. Um, well, I mean, when we were in the briefing, when you walk in, they put you in a briefing room and they talk about the track, which doesn't really help. Because no. once you get in the car, you forget everything you talked about. Yeah, and there's uh, a guy yelling it at you anyway. So yeah, but when we were in the in the training room, the guy explained that like both me and David had picked the two slowest cars that they offer, um, but they were light, and one of them was all wheel drive, so they would still set almost the same times as the faster cars. If Someone who knew what they were doing was behind the wheel. Sure. So we weren't going to kill it down the straight. And uh, 
going around the corners takes practice. So this was this was an experience. <laughs> uh, neither of us did any burnouts. I don't believe I got really close. I almost um, I almost managed to oversteer the Cayman, but uh, I corrected. Yeah, I. I locked up the Cayman and slid almost to the outside edge, but managed to get a hold of it before it was too late. That was pretty <laughs> close. Um, but the car stayed facing the right direction, even though the momentum was going in a different direction than the car was facing. Yeah, it is. It is interesting. I mean, it, the the point of having a place like this is to actually test the metal of the cars, but I almost expected them to pull punches with the way that you're allowed to drive it. And they, they really don't. I mean, my, my coach was actually pushing me to be more aggressive almost the whole time. The only part of it is an insistence on where you break. Um, yes, that's particularly I mean, on the straightaway. Yeah. On the straightaway, they make you break probably a good second, second and a half before you actually need to like a good distance, because I found on the, on the straightaway, because I'd gotten a pretty good feel for where the brakes start to uh, start to give when you push it too much. So I was braking well enough on the straightaway that I would have to come off and coast a little bit. Yeah, so before I started tur- before I started turning. So they cl- I mean they clearly know where each turn is and also I guess we didn't mention it. The coaches have a brake on their side of the car. Yeah. So that was a little disorienting because on one of the corners I thought I was good, and then all of a sudden the car started leaning forward, and I wasn't touching the brake. <laughs> so there's a little bit of weirdness with that, but that like I'm sure that that's there for insurance and safety reasons. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Well, and they don't have a full apparatus on their side. I mean, they're in the passenger seat. They only have a brake pedal. They don't have a steering wheel. Um, uh, did your guy ever reach over and grab the wheel? Yeah, he did one time. When okay, I, mine did it like three times. Yeah, my my guy did it to demonstrate that the tires grip more than I thought they did. Um, it's weird when you're driving in a car that fast. Um, you get this. You get this in cars of any kind, and uh, the more pretentious engineers uh, listening to this will know what I'm talking about. The mechanics feel of using a screwdriver, where you um, where you know that a thread on a screw is about to strip because you can just you can feel. There's a different like timbre to the tension where it's about to do. You can feel that same kind of thing where you feel like the tires are about to slip in a car. Um, in the cars we were driving, that threshold was required complete recalibration. Um, yeah, because your brain is used to a normal road car under normal conditions. So like your brain starts going, it's sliding, slow down, it's sliding, slow down. But the car is sticking your brain's just telling you to stop. Well, it just, it feels physically impossible that these cars could be stuck to the ground as well as they are. Yeah. I mean, the point, the point when I almost oversteered the Cayman, I was, I was deliberately testing the boundary of that to the degree that I could like get a psych myself up to do so. And I only managed to do it at once. And I basically just jerked the wheel. And of course that did it, but it's, it's probably the weirdest part of the whole experience. I mean, we didn't pick the Shelby or, and we didn't get to uh, ride around in the GTR, so we didn't get any of the particularly muscly cars that they had available. Uh, the acceleration on the straightaway was fun. It was definitely the most just generally enjoyable part of driving around the track that I found, the rolling into the straightaway. Um, but 
uh, that part wasn't terribly impressive. The impressive part, the the takeaway of the experience was that was that gripping on the corners on the little chicanes, like the the degree to which you could just crank the wheel and the car would respond the way that you would assume it would 50, 60 miles an hour slower than you were going. Yeah, no, that's, it's definitely weird when you're not in, when you're not used to a car that can do one G in a turn. When you're, when you're having to concentrate on keeping yourself upright because you're trying to slide out your seat. Also, one thing I thought was weird is the two cars we picked um, had normal seat belts. So, in the Audi R8, I noticed that when I was hitting the uh, hitting a couple of the the hairpins, I was sliding out of that seat pretty good, and had to consciously think about putting myself back into my seat because it didn't really keep me there. Oh, that's weird. I don't know that that happened to me. I guess I fill out the seat slightly more than you do, probably. I don't know. Do any of the cars there have? Uh, more than three point harnesses on them. Did the yes the Lambos? Do? Uh, the Lambos and the Ferraris are going to, and I'm, th- I think the Z06 does as well. Yeah, this place doesn't have. Um, it's the wrong way to phrase this. This place has more expensive, faster cars we could have driven, but I feel perfectly fine with the cars that we picked. So yeah, no, the cars, the cars we were picked, uh, were more more than enough. Yeah. Um. My takeaway was I I mean I really liked it but if you if you have any inkling to get motion sick you you've never been cranked like you have when you're driving a when you're driving a car like a race car yeah your your brain gets rattled <laughs> yeah this this experience I don't I don't know that I will do this again I'm glad that I did it the first time but um as someone who gets headaches from roller coasters um I kind I, it was kind of no it wasn't naive I kind of expect I, I expected what happened um, but it was still disappointing just maybe not to the degree it was just disappointing that on the third lap of five in the first car um, just the break in the straightaway into the turn I just my whole stomach just completely disagreed with what was going on around me and I just kind of had to hold it together for the last couple of laps. Um, it was better in the next car because the uh, the coach, being a perfectly competent coach who kind of knew what he was doing, um, told me to look farther out into the distance and to like maintain my posture. And he had a handful of tips for that kind of thing, but it didn't. It did not completely mitigate the feeling. I did not throw up. I got really close one time um, during one of the turns, and I was like bracing my whole abdomen for a lot of the time after that third, after I got initially dislodged into motion sickness. And then that lingered for a handful of hours after the fact. Uh, so not really my cup of tea, I would say. Yeah. No, I was, I was focusing so hard on driving that when I was driving, I didn't notice. But as soon as I stopped, I, I could tell the color was gone from my face and I did not feel good. And it didn't help because you got out of the R8 and went to go get a drink of water. And then my coach goes, oh, look, the RH is pulled up and walks over to it and goes, come on, let's go. So I got no downtime between the first five laps, getting out, almost throwing up to coach going, hey, get in this car. We're going faster. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I, I told my coach was going to do that because obviously we were we just alternated cars. And I 
I told him, I need, I need a minute to regain my bearings if you don't want me to barf all over the inside of this thing. Um, I wonder how often that actually happens to them. Um, mm. I have to imagine it happens with some regularity. I... I feel like most people wouldn't be hard-headed enough where if they're going to throw up, they would just throw up in the car. I feel like they would slow down or they would show signs of something being wrong. Because they're, I mean, as you would expect, this is not like an F1 track where there's like like uh, barriers with people watching along the side. There's a lot of runoff area around the track. So if something goes wrong, there's a lot of places that you'd be able to pull off and out of the way. And then open the car door rapidly and do your business. But, uh, yeah, I'd be curious about that. I mean, I know that I'm definitely of the people who are going to a place like this. Um, I have, I certainly have one of the weaker general constitutions. I get nauseous pretty easily, but, um, I can't be alone there. (laughs) I get, I get nauseous easily, but I also like diving. So, I kind of know how to get it to shut up while I'm doing something I like and I'll deal with it later. <laughs> yeah. I don't have experience with that. Anything else we want to cover about this uh, particular outing? Um, no, I mean, it's, it, it's definitely wouldn't be cut. Like racing cars would definitely not become a hobby of mine, even if it was an option uh, because it's just, it's too intense, but I did enjoy my time, even though it was, one of the most stressful, like, 15 minutes of my life. Yeah, it's it's a very, very stressful. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, you, I mean, my intro to it was, I go up, my guide's name was Don, I go, hey, I'm here with my brother, I need to make sure I set a faster lap time than him. He goes, okay. I, you didn't so, need to tell him that. So we sit down, <laughs> we sit down, and he goes, okay, get the car up to 30. And this is, I'm in the Porsche. So I push on the accelerator, get up to 30, and he goes, all right, test the brakes. And I go, test the brakes. And then he goes, get back up to 30. I go, really test the brakes. So I slam on him to see where the braking point is, and then he pulls me up to the starting line. He's looking in, looking in the mirrors, uh, holds up his walkie, and says, Porsche Cayman coming out. I hear a, you're good to go over the radio, and he goes, go, 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 accelerate, accelerate, faster, faster, hard left, hard left, pinch the brake, pinch the brake, ride wide, right, 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 faster, faster, you're not going fast, you need to be accelerating, accelerate, faster. and it's just this horrible, nightmarish uh, cascade of commands and orders start to wash over me, and after about, uh, when I got into the Audi, I was already sick, and the guy's still uh, barking orders at me to try to get me a good time. Um, like on the seventh round, the seventh lap around, the second lap in the Audi R8, I set a 70-second lap time, which they said is in the top 10% of anyone who rides the track. And the coach goes, that was really good. And he turns to me and he goes, God damn, you're sweaty. <laughs> and uh, it was like 40 degrees outside. But I was sweating my ass off because it was so stressful. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't quite map to my experience of what happened. My coach was more cordial. And uh, I got 74 seconds, which was totally fine. I was more than happy to be matching your time in the other car. 
Although we disagreed on which car we preferred. <laughs> I like the Cayman a lot more than I like the R8. What if I were if I were to have to buy one of those to drive around, I would pick the Cayman. I think it's a nicer driving car. Um but as far as a car that you can get around a track faster in, the R8 I think feels better. The good thing about this experience that I can take away is uh I have absolutely zero desire to own a fast car myself ever. Oh yeah. No, I um I was on the fence about buying a Subaru BRZ and I'm very glad I didn't. Yeah, no, it's because I was I mean I was looking into like buying a Corvette or buying like something stupid like a uh like a Challenger with a big V eight in it and then like I did this and I go, Nope. I have zero desire to drive that fast recreationally none <laughs> i mean i will i will grant you i i do like the acceleration aspect of it i i think that part is still entertaining and i still kind of wish i had gone for the shelby just for just for that specific pickup which neither of again the r8 and the cayman i don't know what your experience was like them with them but the the actual like lift off on those cars was not horribly impressive to me. Well, I have kind of a cute, uh, skewed perspective because I ride motorcycles. So like I'm, I'm used to straight line acceleration. Okay. Like dad's dad's motorcycle does zero to 60 in like 3.2 seconds or something. Some crazy stupid number. Um, so I'm kind of used to that. So unless a car is like mind numbingly fast, I'm kind of used to it. Also, I don't own a car, so I'm always red light racing. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, no, I'm I'm probably going to end up doing it again because uh, my because Uncle Kevin wants to do it, but uh, I'm probably going to pick something stupid this time around, like a like a Corvette Z06, something that has a big silly engine in it. And I'm going to buy some golf clubs because we went golfing. The morning that uh, we went to Speed Vegas, and I found that considerably more enjoyable. So, yeah, you get to walk, you get to something to snack on, you get to hit a ball into a hole. Yeah, it's, it's very low stress. Yeah, it's all right. I can get behind that. <laughs> so, look forward to um, that conversion over the next couple of months. I already ordered a set of clubs. I found a decent set that was pretty cheap. So. Uh, I'll figure out how to do that. And I also need to pick a different sport uh, because I used to play tennis with Mitchell and he is now so much better than me that it's not fun anymore. So I have to find a way to level the playing field and golf is how I'm going to do it. Golf is good because uh, the saying in golf is you only borrow it. I've, I've had rounds where I'm shooting one under par the entire game and then I show up next week and I, I'm shooting double and triple bogeys every single hole. All right, never mind. I'm going to take those clubs back. I already hate the way this sounds. Golf talk is so much worse than the sport itself. Yeah, probably. But the, uh, yeah, I guess the talk is pretty bad. I just think that it's if you can just use it as a like go outside and go do something with friends, then it's really good. The problem is, is that as soon as you start thinking, oh, I should be playing better, it's a tailspin. 
Well, join us on the adventure of me doing exactly that over the next couple of months until I can get up to snuff. I know a couple of people down here that are actually passable golfers, so we'll see how that goes. No, it's just uh, without talking specifically about the experience of golf, which, as I just mentioned, is atrocious. Um, it is it is a generally relaxing activity, and when you do when you do get a good golf swing, it's very satisfying. So yeah, it's just like getting a good turn in the car. You know that you nailed it, and you have about half a second to appreciate it before your coach is telling you to slam on the brakes and you start feeling sick again. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't feel <laughs> the urge to throw up while playing golf, so I don't, I don't know how exactly analogous that is. And everybody knows my thoughts on bingo at this point, so I will leave that one alone. If you um, don't know his things on bingo. His thoughts on bingo. You can go to themachinationlog.com. Uh, it, it, I don't think that the will work on the front of it, but you can go to machinationlog.com. In any case, uh, Jacob, do you want anything else you want to cover? Do you have any sweet New Year's resolutions that have already crumbled? Uh, no, I just jumped the gun and didn't set any. That is probably the way to go. What about February? What's happening in Febs? Uh, probably nothing. The next, the next thing on the calendar for me is uh, some viewers might know her from the movie crew, uh, Nicole Paddock. I and her uh, boyfriend are going to be hopping in a minivan, and like three dirty hippies, we're going to do a road trip up to uh, Portland, Oregon. Yeah, <laughs> up to the promised land. Yeah. <sighs> so that'll be a fun adventure. You guys should definitely bring some kind of recording equipment for that. Yeah, we might think about it. We can put together a Blair Witch project of house hunting while you guys are <laughs> you guys are dealing with that. When's that trip slated? Uh, it's either the last or the second to last week of March. Okay, so you got a while to prepare for that. Oh yeah, gotta get my uh, gotta get my road trip tune list selection playlist that's it my road trip playlist uh up the snuff and uh the week of march i will be saving up podcasts furiously all right well i'll try to record some in the meantime and uh you can sit and munch on those jacob david thanks for being part of the machination log good morning everyone That'll get your handicap down. <laughs> no, everything about talking about golf is completely atrocious. Like it doesn't, it's because it's just old people bitching about not being able to hit a ball where they want it to go. And it really does require no physical talent. And like, it's no, it's not at the absolute top. It does take some physical talent. Yeah, and that's th- that is it. Like that's the only level. <laughs> yeah, every everyone else is just you have bad form. Yeah, everyone else <laughs> just needs to get good at the game. <laughs> yeah, it's not yeah, like no. football. Like in football, you you probably actually have to toughen up and run fast and hustle. You don't have to and do any of that shit. Yeah, for and golf. if you're and if you're under five foot nine, you just can't do it. <laughs> but that's okay because golf's not a sport anyway. The numbers go down. That's ridiculous.
<laughs> yeah, but what about bowling? Because bowling, the uh, numbers go up. Yeah, but it's disqualified because the numbers max out. It is very confusing to me that there could be like real competitions in a sport that you can just win. Yeah, well, that's how many people suck at bowling. <laughs> that is pretty. That is pretty stupid. In the grand scheme of things, that bowling is gone. Do the lanes? It must just be that the lanes suck. Like they go to places with terrible lanes, and you have to like negotiate bad lanes. That'd be pretty good. It's like, uh oh, the the second board from the right has a serious warp to it because they left a rag, a wet rag onto it on it too long. I mean, what else could it be? I've been next to people who get 297, 298 when they bowl. Like, I don't know any of them personally, but I've seen them at bowling alleys. Yeah, but it's stressful walking out there with your name on your back, a bag full of bowling balls, some shoes, and you have a crowd of at least 15 people watching you. I just, I don't, I don't understand it. <laughs> Bowling for <laughs> jerks. I need to get back into bowling. Bowling is a-okay. <laughs> bowling, bowling's alright. Like, you know what? It's one of my, like, the things I miss the most about Florida was when Ian was there and Joey was there, we go, fuck it, let's go bowling. <laughs> do, 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 do. Yeah, no, it's it's totally and one of those you just hang activities. out at the bowling alley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my friends are too cool for that now. They all play Smash and Magic the Gathering, so... <laughs> I don't have time for I don't have time for lowly sports like bowling. <laughs> Bowling's an A-OK time. I I can agree with that, even though you I never really got any good at it. You get up, you feel pretty good about it. Bowl you bowl half decently. Then like towards the end of the Towards the end of the first round, you go order a pizza, yep. and you try to play real slow, because you're waiting for the pizza to show up, and then once it gets there, your fingers are all greasy, so the balls get disgusting, so there's no way you're going to bowl correctly from then on, but it's all, but the second round's already over, but the pizza's just got there, so you go get a third round anyway, and I'm it's just I'm gonna shit schedule. show. I'm going to schedule a bowling trip and write this on my to-dos. <laughs> it's been too long. <laughs> Bowling needs to happen. Bowling's a good time. <laughs> and it can, it can be like golf, where it's like it's just something to do when you hang out. It's like Racco. Racco does not require a bunch of thought. It's just a bullshit game that you can play while you wait for something or while you talk to people. It seemed like a hard left as far as comparisons go. But but no, I want to get into all the trash sports, all the trash not sports. Um, it's golf, gonna be it's gonna be bowling. my goal for 2017. So Mitchell got really good at tennis. Well, he plays it competitively now. He plays like in he plays on a tournament track. Oh jeez! <laughs> so he has like regular practice at it. Yeah, basically. I mean, he constantly injures himself, so he's not always available to play. But no, he's. He is a consistent swinger, and he can actually serve the ball. Yeah, no, it's he's a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> and the only other person I know who plays tennis um, at all is Nick, and Nick used to play it in high school 
competitively. So the second he starts playing it more, he's going to completely blow past me too. Um, and the one thing I can guarantee you I'm not going to do, I'm not going to hire a tutor to teach me how to play these games. So <laughs> that, that's just not happening. Um, so I get to be stuck. Well, this is, yeah, this is where this is where you get your comeback. You hire a bowling coach <laughs> for my golf game. <gasps> they have to have them. Yeah, of course they do. You don't want to look like a chump out there on the bowling league. <laughs> hey, I, like when me and my friends go out, we're having a couple beers. We go, fuck it, let's go bowling because there's nothing else to do. I want to be able to clean house. Yeah. <laughs> I want them to know who's boss. And the only way that I can express that is through bowling. Can you help me? <laughs> this is this is a uh this is a a quest that I could get behind. Yeah. No, this is petty in all the right ways. <laughs> Fucking, he. Oh, I can just imagine the conversation with the coach. Is like, well, what brings you to bowling? Fucking, I used to play tennis, but then he got good and made me look like an asshole. So now we got to switch strategies. <laughs> so now we got to find a sport that he doesn't play at all, and then I have to get good at it. That way, I can show him up. That's only fair. <laughs> it's only fair. <laughs> All right, I am going to go put, I'm going to go fill a mug half up with ice cream and then AeroPress coffee on top of it, because I did that All yesterday, right. and that was a win. Uh, I mean, that is, I went to Sam's Club, and I bought, it was like three like milk cartons of like cold brewed coffee, like pre-made coffee, and then I bought a gallon of heavy cream. <laughs> that's the right amount and I fill a 16 ounce water bottle with 6 ounces of coffee and then 10 ounces of heavy cream All right, and that that's been my breakfast for a week alright that balance might be a little fucked but uh, I, was, I was with you on the heavy cream at least it's a, it's a pretty good start to a morning what a caffeinated milkshake yeah <laughs> It doesn't have very much. Actually, it has almost no sugar in it. Yeah, mine has sugar. Mine's mine's the purer solution. <laughs> mine makes no pretense of being part of any diet anywhere. <laughs> Are we going to do this better health through steak? I've set myself a goal of getting down to 180 because there's going to be a tournament, a BJJ tournament, and I want to cheat and get into a lower bracket. So i got to cut weight. Uh... You think that you're going to cheat and get into, but the people who are going to be wrestling in the 180 are probably walking around at 210, 220, because most of the people who are BJJ were ex-wrestlers, and they're crazy people. No, this is, this is an in-house one. These are, these are all East Orlando softies. I know who I'm going to be wrestling against. Oh, okay. Why, what do you walk? What do you, what do you weigh right now? 195. All right, you definitely gained weight. What? I gained five pounds. I hover around 190 most of the time. I thought you got down into the 180s. I mean, 180s is right below 190. 
That's ten pounds, not five pounds. What? Well, no, but I never, I never went below one eighty-five. Oh, huh. I guess I was, Patrick got down below that. I was two fifteen, so I made it quite a ways down. I mean, Patrick was definitely in the two hundreds, and Patrick, when he was on his diet, something fierce. He weighed less than me for a little bit there, and that was weird. Because I always hovered about one hundred and seventy. I fear for Dylan. He's totally actually going to get fat now that he can afford food. Like, what's the deal? With- 